I want to um, take a minute just to honor the pastors in the house. Um, as you guys know, um, for, for the visitors here, I've, I've, I've actually been hanging out at this church since the days of Gillespie Road and, uh, and um, watched this church transition through many different transitions. And, um, you know, I was never more proud as a father when, uh, of course, uh, Jim and Kelly came to us and they thought that I was going to snag my own daughter to come work for us but then, uh, and, and my son-in-law. But it's just, it's a real privilege that I know that uh, our kids are here and a part of a good church and so obviously I appreciate that. But I, I always, um, now, now my job is, uh, you know, I've been two years in this, this coming May, I'll be two years serving as the president and uh, I'm starting to like it. Uh, up until that point, I really, really didn't like it too much, uh, partly because my heart was still back at the, uh, partly because my heart was still back at the uh, church, and uh, that's where my family is, you know, my whole real family, I guess you'd call it, but, uh, but anyway, I, I just want to say there's a lot of places I go now, I, I, I'm in a different church every Sunday almost, and uh, but this is one of my favorite places to come. I, I just uh, not not just because of my kids, but because of these two pastors. So I just want to honor them. Let's give it up for them today. Uh, amen. <clears throat> okay, I have my scriptures written down, so I'm gonna put my Bible up here. The uh, I, I went actually. Uh, I didn't realize that Jim until right now. Just just a few minutes ago, I didn't realize that Jim had remembered a talk that I gave uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it, it was actually a talk on uh, uh, difficulties that people face in the church, pastors and stuff. And one of the teachings in that talk is co- uh, about conflict resolution, how to deal with conflict. And, uh, but that, that particular talk is so teachy uh, that it would take me an hour and a half to finish it. So um, I, I wrote a whole new message for today, and, uh, and it's, I didn't even look at that one because uh, I just felt like the Lord said, come fresh and come with something new. And uh, so I do want to talk about conflict resolution, but, you know, if you think about it, our world is in conflict, right? I mean, our world is broken. Uh, you know, we, we live in a broken world. Jesus came to heal the broken. And uh, the reason we have conflict is because we have a broken world. And, uh, and there's all kinds of conflict. I think as a pastor, Pastor Jim, uh, one of the things that I've learned, Pastor Kelly, is that me and Carol uh, probably spent more time as pastors dealing and navigating and negotiating conflict for people in my church than any other thing I did. I mean, I, I, and now I'm navigating conflict for pastors. You thought people were a pain in the butt. Pastors, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, uh, but, but basically, uh, you, you know, um, just because you're a believer, just because you're a follower of Christ does not make you conflict-free. Hello? Uh, we, 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 we actually need to become overcomers, and in order to be an overcomer, you have to have some level of conflict to overcome. And so God has called us to be overcomers. So a lot of us, though, as Christians, we run from conflict. Uh, uh, um, people run from conflict generally. But, uh, it, it, you know, throughout my, my, my time as a pastor, I, I found myself uh, navigating conflict at wor- uh, with people that uh, had conflict at work, with bosses, uh, navigating conflict with spouses, kids, um, boyfriends, girlfriends, community. Conflict is a part of every part of life. 
And when you think about the world, we have Syri- the Syrian conflict right now. We have political. How many remember the political race? Oh, my goodness, conflict. And I'm sorry I brought it back up. Okay. Uh, but economic conflict. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of conflict. Let me give you the passage of Scripture. I know some of you are following along on your phones. Um, but let me give you the passage of Scripture that I feel like it really speaks to us as believers. And uh, I, I really want to go after this today. And it says this in Romans 12, 17 and 18. It says this, repay no one evil for evil. So that's a good start right there. If you're having conflict, don't fight back. Even if somebody's done something evil to you, don't repay them with evil. But listen, have regard for good things in the sight of all men and women. Have an attitude, a regard for good things. Pastor Kelly didn't know I was going to preach from that passage. I really loved her exhortation this morning where she said, listen, why don't we just take a minute and not focus on what God is going to do or what he isn't doing, but what he's actually doing. I leaned over to her in the, in, the, in, the, in the service, and I part of what I said to her was, man, this is a, a worshiping church, man. You guys sing. I go to churches where everybody on the platform singing, and everybody else is like an audience. Kudos to you, all right? I mean, this is good stuff. You need to be a worshiping church. And, uh, and so I was thanking God this morning for a church that really does worship. During the song service, it was really cool. And, uh, uh, but anyway, this is, the, this is the key verse. Watch this. If it is all possible, as much as it depends on you. Turn to somebody right now and say, as much as it depends on you. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that some conflict doesn't depend on you? So you got to read this verse in that context, and everything I'm going to say today is going to be what I think depends on us. In other words, I, I, you know, I look over my life, and uh, one of the things I've done in my life is try to resolve conflict quickly. I, I actually have a rule, and that's called short accounts. It's just two words, short accounts. I never want to hold on to conflict too long. I do know for a fact that there are a couple of people that still don't like me. But as much as it is dependent on me, I've tried to work it out with them. Are you hearing me? And, I, and at some point, you've got to have to let go. So before I say anything about how we are to respond to conflict, uh, I just want to be very clear. You can't make other people get resolved. But, but we do have to take a look in the mirror to ask ourselves as believers, followers of Christ, or seekers of God, we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing in order to resolve conflict? Because the Bible doesn't say as much as it depends on people who are ticked at you. It didn't say uh, it, as much as it depends on the people you just can't stand and avoid at Walmart. It says as much as it depends, come on, say it with me, on you. And that's me. That's you. So as much as it depends on me, here's what the command is. Live peaceably. Live peaceably with all men, with all women. Live at peace with people. That's what God is calling us to. And that's the heart behind what I want to talk about. Let me just tell you the title of my message. The title of my message is Biblical Steps to Revolving Conflict. I basically looked in the scripture, uh, borrowed a sermon outline from some other preacher. That, that always helps. And, uh, 
I just am trying to, you know, be honest, uh, but the content is, is mine, okay? But I got an outline because I said, man, this is a good outline. I shortened it down from 42 steps to seven, okay? Uh, and uh, I'm just kidding. But basically, uh, I want to I share my heart with you because this is going to come out of my heart. But more so, it's going to come out of Scripture. It's going to come out of Scripture. Biblical insights. I can give you my insights, But I want to give you biblical insights or biblical uh, uh, steps to resolving conflict. Let me begin before I give you those steps by saying three things that are devastating outcomes if we do not resolve conflict. Devastating outcomes. Number one, the Bible says, not Chris, the Bible says that if you do not resolve conflict, number one, it blocks our fellowship with God. Have you ever noticed that if you're ticked off, I almost said pissed off, but you're not supposed to do that, say that. <laughs> I'm the president of Elam. You're not supposed to say those things. I'll never be invited back. Okay, let's keep it to ticked off. I think that's safer. I've already got somebody mad at me. I've got to resolve conflict with it after the service now. Uh, if I did offend you, come to me. That's what the Bible says. Okay, moving on. Don't go and tell everyone else. Did you hear what he said? I just gave you a reason to have conflict in Jesus' name. All right, moving on. It blocks our fellowship with God. Have you ever noticed that when you're irritable with other people, you don't feel like worshiping? Come on. When you're upset with other people, or if you know somebody, you walk into church and that person looks at you. You ever met somebody, you meet them, and you wonder, what did I do? I just met them. But it interferes with your worship with God. It interferes with your relationship with God. Conflict with human beings interfere with your relationship with God. 1 John 4.20 says, listen, if you tell me that you love uh, your brother, uh, love God, but you hate your brother, this is what God says about you. You're a liar. 1 John 4.20, if someone says, I love you and hates his brother, he's a liar. If you do not love your brother, uh, or, or, or can, uh, let me read my uh, print, I can't read my handwriting. Uh, if, if, <laughs> uh, who wrote this? Me. <laughs> uh, so so, if, so if, if you do not have love for his brother whom you have seen, how can you tell me you love a God you have not seen? You've got to understand, the Bible is very clear about this, that our relationship with people directly impacts our relationship with God. I heard a preacher just this week, Moffat and I, we were listening to a guest speaker. He opened up his talk saying, I'm a pastor, but I don't like people. I really wanted to tell him, stop talking. I have no interest in what you have to say if you don't like people. God loves people. And I think you need to check your calling if you don't like people. Now, I don't like some things that people do. But God's always given me a love for people. Three devastating outcomes. Number one, it blocks your fellowship with God. So if you're having a problem with somebody in your life, your boss, your family member, whoever it is right now, you've got to understand it's not just about you and them. It's about you and God. That ought to be reason enough to get it right. Number two, the second devastating thing I see here is that it hinders my prayers. So we sit here and pray to God, but all of a sudden I find out there's a Bible verse that says if you don't have it right with your wife, it'll hinder your prayer. 
It'll hinder your prayer life. Look at this. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, which means respect them. If you look at it in the original language and the New International Version says it that way. It says, respect those wives you live with, with understanding. Give honor to your wife as to the weaker vessel, which means the vessel that sometimes struggles. The vessel. And then, and then he says this. If, if they're weaker... Being heirs together. That doesn't change anything about how you see each other. You're heirs together. And then he says this. Live together in the grace and the life so that your prayers are not hindered. In other words, if I want to have not just a good relationship with God, but I want to be able to talk with God so God is hearing my heart, then I got to be able to treat my wife pretty good, which isn't always so easy because she's not perfect. Are you with me? I tell my wife all the time, you need therapy. (laughs) That that goes over real well, right? If she was here, I would say that. Because anybody that lives with me needs therapy. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Not only does it block your fellowship with God, hinder your prayers. These are three good reasons to get it together with your conflict resolution right here. Number three, it impacts your happiness. I didn't say your joy. You can have joy in the midst of misery. Joy is a choice. But it does impact your happiness. If you've got conflict with somebody in this church right now, when you walk in and you see them, there's a difference between how happy you are and how happy you're not. If you go to work tomorrow and you have conflict with your boss, you don't have a happy day. It impacts your life. It impacts your happiness. You could go in and you could be super Christian and say, oh, good, I'm going to have the joy of the Lord as I hate my brother. But the truth of the matter is it, it messes up your happiness. It messes up the environment. It messes up your, uh, your whole life in those areas. So, so, so be really careful about that. Let me give you seven biblical steps to resolving conflict. All right, number one, take the initiative and go to them. You take the initiative and go to them. I want you to think about this. Let me just start over and say this. I don't know if you have conflict. Right now in my life, to my knowledge... I don't have conflict right now with anybody except for who I ticked off just a few minutes ago. Okay? But other than that, I'm, I'm a person with short accounts, so I do have it to where my life, I try to deal with it quickly because I know what it's like to be bound up in anger and frustration with people. Are you with me? But maybe there's somebody here because pastor said preach this message. Maybe your shepherd cares about you enough so that you're not bound up, disconnected with God, so your prayers are heard, and so that you can have relationship and happiness as a church. Maybe there's something in you that's still unresolved. If so, number one, first step, biblical, take the initiative and go to them. Listen, don't ignore it. Don't ignore If there's something going on in your relationship, you may have in your house, in your marriage, uh, some kind of problems. Maybe there's a sex problem. Maybe there's a money problem, a work schedule problem, a listening problem, uh, in-law problem. That's enough of a problem right there. Uh, Children problem, communication problem. Come on. 
Listen, marriage is, how many, he just talked about how he counseled people for six weeks. How many know that wasn't enough time? (laughs) When you have two human beings that are absolutely imperfect come together, I guarantee you there'll be conflict. And so we need to learn these things. We, we, we don't learn these principles. Listen, conflict is never resolved accidentally. Somebody has to take the initiative. And the Bible says, as much as it depends on... I didn't hear that. Come on, who? As much as it depends on you, not the person you're mad at, not the person that's mad at you, As much as it depends on you, you take the initiative. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 24 says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. But then it says this, watch this. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. You know what I believe about that? God cares more about you resolving conflict than worship in the church. God cares more. Giving is an act of worship. And by the way, it says leave your gift and go get it right. Don't take your gift with you. Oh, pastor, I can't give my time today because I'm so mad at my wife. Baloney. Bring your money, then go get it right, okay? All right, just a thought, okay? (laughs) Three things that you're going to have to face if you're going to initiate conflict. Number one, you need to, watch this, deal with fear. Because it's scary. It's scary to be the initiator of conflict. You don't know if they're going to reject you. You don't know if they're going to punch you. You don't know if they're going to curse you out. You don't know if this is the ending of that relationship. It's a scary thing to be the one. Adam and Eve were actually afraid because they had conflict with God and they hid themselves. They were afraid. And what were they afraid of? They were afraid of being exposed. They were afraid of being, you know, they're like, God's going to find out we, we ate the fruit. He already knew. When we are afraid, we, 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 sometimes we become defensive, defensive. We become distant. Sometimes we even become demanding. We got to overcome fear. First Timothy, excuse me, Second Timothy 1 7 says this. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what has He given us? But power and love and sound mind. God wants us to initiate the comfort. Go over there and deal with it. I remember when I was a pastor, man, I had a situation where there was a person in my church. They were a a headache to live with, quite frankly. It doesn't happen in any other church but my church. (laughs) People who love God, but they just were so demanding and critical and wrote a paper almost every week after I finished preaching and let me know where I spoke wrong. Listen, I would have saved them the headache. I know I speak wrong. I know I don't always say the right English words. And I was born in England. It means nothing to you. 
And I prayed, man, you know, you know how many times I prayed. I prayed that person would leave my church. I prayed that, 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 that they would, you know, get a job offer in California. <laughs> Please listen to me. It got dealt with when I initiated it. They're standing around. They're thinking they're helping me. They think they're called to help me. I said, you're not helping me. You're crushing me. And I met with them, and I talked with them. That person ended up becoming a good friend. Who knows what would have happened if they'd have been a friend to some other pastor in California. (laughs) It's still not there, huh? Okay. I'm having conflict with your pastor. How's that? Is that better? Can you hear me? Thank you. You want me to start over? Uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. All right, here we go. So, so listen, deal with your fears. Number two, another thing you have to deal with is your, how to set up a meeting. You need to set up a meeting. Um, plan a sit-down meeting. Don't, listen, couples, please, listen. Don't throw a bomb in bed. Everything goes away. <laughs> Men, don't bring it up in bed. Ladies, sit down and have a meeting. Talk across from each other. Deal with the situation in a proper timing. We need to, we need to set up a meeting, plan a sit-down meeting, choose the right time. How many know there's a right time and a wrong time to deal with conflict? Huh? Choose the right place. It may, be, it may need to be a neutral place. For me and my wife in our marriage at times, when we would, we would get what I would call intense fellowship. Well, if you're in a restaurant, you're somewhat forced at the level of intensity of your fellowship. So we would always, if it's a serious issue, uh, we would say, let's just go out to this restaurant, make sure there's people around us so that we can respect each other and honor them and stuff like that. I'm sure there's countless numbers of people who never came to my church after we went there. Uh, what do you do when you get to a meeting? You pray before the meeting. You'd be surprised how much conflict can be taken care of if if you just get on the side of God on this and say, God, please, I'm going to initiate this. You need to go before me. May there be a love in my voice. May I have that attitude that Moffat spoke of, of selflessness, not going after her or him, but looking at dying to self as I enter this. Lord, I pray you help me in this process. Starts with prayer. And then here's the other thing I see. Come with an attitude to solve the problem, not to win. Come with an attitude to solve the problem, not to fight. Please. So you initiate the meeting. You start the meeting. Number two, confess your part of the conflict. When we come together and have a conflict, a lot of times what we do is we start to think about the other person's problem. We either personalize it or villainize them. We make them a, a bad, bad, bad person for disagreeing with us, for having conflict with us. Or we get so emotionally upset. Those are the two things we tend to do. 
But pull away and say, okay, what do we need to do? We need to confess our part of the conflict. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5 says this. Why do you not look at the speck in your, bro- Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider, the King James used to say, the log, the plank in your own eye, the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank in your own eye? You're a hypocrite. This is the Bible telling you you're a hypocrite. First, remove the plank. First, check out yourself. When you're going to go in to deal with a conflict situation, what is in your eye? What is going on in you? What contribution did you make to this problem? Not what did they do, but is there anything I could have done? Is there anything I did do? And then you'll see clearly to be able to remove the plank from the other person's eye. Man, it's so amazing if you come into a situation where you recognize all of us have blind spots. How many know what I'm talking about, blind spots? Listen, if somebody tells you that you never listen... That's okay. But if 40 people tell you, you don't listen, and you don't agree, you have a blind spot. (laughs) Now I explained it. How many of you understand blind spots? Okay, good. Okay, good. So it's possible that you just need to do what 2 Corinthians says, and that's look in a mirror, unveiled, and say, God, I'm standing before you. Search me, O God. See if there's any hidden thing in me. So when I approach this conflict, I'm going to deal with my stuff. Come to the thing saying, you know what, I'm the one. Before we talk, I just need to say to you, this is where I'm at. Come confessing your part in the conflict. That takes humility. That takes humility. Moving on. Number three. Listen for the offense or the hurt. Don't suppose the hurt. Don't suppose you know what's going on, even if you've heard it from the 20 people they talk to. Wait. Listen for the offense, not just what happened, the problem. Listen for the offense or the hurt. Often we hide our hurt behind logic. So people will come and they will give you the facts. But what's the hurt behind the facts? You did this, you did this, you did this. But maybe they're saying you rejected me. I feel you didn't respect me. Whatever. What's the offense and the hurt? James chapter 1 verse 19 says, So then, my beloved, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. See, it's a Bible. This is the Bible's action of conflict resolution. Instead of be quick... Just slow down. Be considerate of the doubts and the fears that others may have. Now, not everybody's going to be that polite. This is nice and clean up here. But the truth of the matter is we need to look deeper into the soul of the person that's upset with us. Number four, consider the other person's perspective. Not just listen for the hurts, but what is their perspective What are they thinking like? Learn to show grace. Philippians chapter 2. I don't think I wrote that. Yeah, I did. Let each of you look not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. 
Don't look at just yourself. Look deep inside and say, I wonder what their perspective is. Why are they thinking this way? Why are they, why are they talking like this? I never had that in mind. What is going on behind this? Is there something there that I need to understand? Listen to this statement I found. You are most like Christ when you pay attention to the other person's need. You're most like Christ when you pay attention to the other person's need. That's what he did. Man, he was on a cross dying for you. How many know he had a need? But he at that time said, I'm more thinking about these folks than myself. Perfect model of sacrificial love. Perfect model of sacrificial love. Number one, take the initiative and go to them. Keep your account short. Confess on, our, on, on, on your part, our part, the, uh, your part of the conflict. Listen to the offense, number three, not just the hurt. I mean, not just the problem. Listen to the offense and our hurt. And then finally, consider the other person's perspective. Now, number five, now we've listened. We've, we, we've kind of got an idea on this, but it's our turn, right? Here we go. Tell the truth tact, tactfully. Tell the truth tactfully. When you're in a sensitive conflict situation, there's got to be a way that we communicate the truth, not our understanding of the truth, the truth tactfully. Sister Jones, I think that there are times, not all the time, that I feel like you don't even know this, but you're so moody that people don't want to get close to you. And I, I, I sense God would want you to be a little different so that people could see the beautiful person you are. Or, lady, you're moody. Which has worked? Which one do you think will work the best? See, you have to study that. You have to work hard at that kind of phrasing. Not just to sandwich it in something good. But, it, it, listen, it's, it's not fabricating it or moving it away. It's still the truth. You're moody. But I really care about that moodiness. We need to be sensitive. There's a difference between fact and feeling. You see, let me, let me share something with you. My wife, Carol, and I, we were having a fight. This is going back 20-some years and, 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 and it was over a little issue in the church for her, a big issue for me, a little one. So who was mad? And, uh, and we were going over this thing. And, uh, and this is how our arguments went, went, basically. I do not agree with you. This is me talking. I do not agree with you. The, the truth of the matter is I think you're wrong. And it, I love you. I care about you. I'm trying, to, trying this stuff. And, and then, but the, the truth of the matter is, honey, listen to me. You're wrong. In Jesus' name. In, in, in Jesus' name. Okay. And then she would be over here saying, I am not wrong, you're wrong, and everybody I've talked to knows it. Because we do that, don't we? We go find people that agree with us, right? So, so we're going back and forth, and finally I said, we, we need counseling. We need, we, not you, me and you need counseling. So we went to the council of elders of our church, the elders of our church. They agreed with her, which made me decide never to go to the elders again. 
never to go to the elders again because they were wrong. So we decided, because even though I heard from the elders, and I really did, but they sided with her. But it just didn't feel right, because it was obviously against me. And so we went to a counselor. Talked to the counselor, and the counselor asked my wife this question in the middle of our discussion. And we decided when we go to that counselor, no matter what, we're going to follow their advice. And the counselor said to my wife, how did it make you feel? And my wife started sharing her feelings, and she started crying, which is never fair. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I love my wife most days. All right, moving on. And, uh, and uh, if she was here, I'd be doing all this. Right? I would do it right in front of her. I have done it in front of her. Now you know why we have conflict. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I said, I, I said, I said, she said, um, how did it make you feel? Watch this. This is very important. I had never asked her that question. All I was interested in was the facts, the facts. You're right, you're wrong, you're right, you're wrong, you're right, you're wrong, you're right, you're wrong, facts. The minute I heard her feelings, I said, no, wait, time out, you're right. She goes, no, you're right. I've been waiting for her to say you're right for months. (laughs) But it wasn't until I heard her feelings. See, see, See what I'm talking about here? It's not just about the facts. And when you're telling the truth, listen to the feelings. Listen to the heart. Tell it tactfully. Number six, attack, attack the problem rather than the person. When you're in the conflict, attack the problem rather than the person. Me and my wife have this rule now. When we talk and sometimes have that intense fellowship, um, we've decided to, to just grab something from the house. Because what tends to happen is, is we start talking about the opposite viewpoints of that particular issue that we're in conflict with. And all of a sudden, I shoot across to her. So here's the, here's the problem. See, this is the problem. I think that Bible is black. She says, no, I think that Bible is white. It's got more white than it does black. And she's right. But the truth of the matter is, I think it's black. She says, no, I think it's uh, white. And we argue over it because we have different perspectives. Are you hearing with me? But here's what happens. If we're not careful in the intensity of it, I say, you're stupid, it's black. Now I've attacked the person, not the problem. And if we're not careful, we do that. So me and her, when we get into that, it starts to escalate in the problem. We take the old problem, and it might be a salt shaker on the table. It might be a Bible. It might be anything. I say, honey, right, right here is the problem. And I said, come over here, and I put my arm around her. I said, now let's keep that problem out here because I love you, I care about you, I want to live you the rest of my life, make babies. No, I don't, I'm done with that. Moving on. And, uh, <laughs> but here's the problem. You see what I'm saying? Don't let the problem come between you. Come on. Solve the problem together with your boss. Solve the problem together. Get the problem out there. Sometimes it might even just say, listen, listen, right now we're attacking each other. We're attacking each other. Maybe we need you to say, let me take this uh, salt shaker. Maybe take this pencil holder and set it out there and say, that's the problem. Let's try to identify the problem. Don't always fight the people, fight the problem. Don't never fight the people for that matter. Last one. 
Romans 14, 13 be a good verse to write down there. Last one. Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. There are some problems that will never be solved. Hello? There's, There's some problems that will never be solved. Let me say it one more time. There are some problems that will never be solved. Unity is different than uniformity. Uniformity says that Jim and I have to agree on everything. Unity says we can disagree on some things and still have unity. Are you with me? And so if he and I end up in the problem and in the conflict and we still don't agree, more important than solving that problem is that I have been given and he has been given the ministry of reconciliation and we have to walk together because they know that we're our disciples because we have a problem. No, because we have love one for another. And there's no better place than your love for one another than in the home. No better place for your love to one another than in the church. Amen. Let's stand together. I want to end with a verse. Uh, it says this. What's this? Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. One of the Beatitudes. This is what it says. You know the verse very well. Now, I'm going to misquote it. I've never done this before, but I'm going to misquote it. Never done this. I just got the word from the Lord to misquote it. The Lord told me to misquote his Bible. You sure? Okay, yeah. Okay. Blessed are the peacekeepers. No. Blessed are the peacemakers. We have a church full of people. Who keep the peace by not dealing with conflict. We have a church full of people. I'm not talking about Faith Chapel. I'm talking about the church. Look on Facebook and see how we treat one another. In front of the whole world to see. We don't even listen to Matthew chapter 18. that says go to them in private and deal with it. We put it out there for everybody to see. That we don't like your candidate. And the church is keeping the peace but not making peace. We are called to be peacemakers. Close your eyes for just a second and ask this question. Who right now do I need to make peace with? Who do I need to make peace with? Who out there in this world of mine do I need to be the one to initiate this? Look at these biblical principles and say, i got to go to that person. Listen, I wouldn't doubt it this week that many of you have lots of conversations, many appointments made, praying for that time in that meeting, overcoming fears just to initiate. But guess what? Don't bring your offering. Well, bring your offering, leave it here, and then go get it right. Amen? Think of that person right now in your mind. Everybody, listen, everybody close their eyes so the person next to you has privacy. It's not about being spiritual and praying with your eyes closed. I pray all the time while I'm driving with my eyes open. But give persons right next to you privacy right now. Because I'm going to ask a question. 
How many of you right now, it's not something to be embarrassed about. Tomorrow I might have somebody. I might even today after saying pissed. But here's the deal. Listen to me. I'd rather get it right with you than walk out of this church if I offended you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. The end of the day, don't gossip because that'll be another offense. Raise your hand up and down if you see like you've got to go to somebody. Put it up and down real quick. Go up, down, up, down, all over this place. All over this place. Your pastor knows his church. That's why he had me come to share this topic. Let's initiate it. Father, in Jesus' name, all across this congregation, you put it on the heart of these people today that they need to go make it right. May there not be a seven-day period gone by without the first attempt to be a peacemaker. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Pastor Jim, turn it over to you. Thanks, buddy.